0: It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Movies You Should Love. This is episode 25, where we are talking about Forrest Gump, number 76 on AFI's Top 100 Films. Um, Yeah, so with me today is our fearless co-host, Scott Fogg. Yes, indeed. Who doesn't actually get to say his name like he normally does. So Mm. you can say it now if you want, Scott. Scott. Excellent. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, basically here on Movies we Sh- or movies You Should Love, we uh, take a look at movies that people should love or have loved or may not love uh, for whatever reason. Um, we just kind of sit down and uh, dig through them, kind of analyze them, pick them apart and just figure out why they work or don't work or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, And we've been working through the AFI Top 100 Films list. Mm -hmm. And we have now got to number 76, which is Forrest Gump, as I mentioned earlier. Um, You can find all of our previous podcasts and all kinds of interesting stuff. Like, just today we posted uh, the world release trailer of uh, Les Miserables to our website. But, um, you know, all that stuff on our website, Mm -hmm. moviesyoushouldlove.com. You can also... Follow all of our happenings and stuff on Twitter at movies you should, or on Facebook facebook.com dot slash movies you should. So um, while there, check out our hilarious pictures that Scott <laughs> prepares for us every week. It's the only place you can see them is on Facebook. So it's
1: true. Uh, Kelly comes in. She came in when I after I did the all, pre- all the presidents men picture she's like you are having too much fun
0: <laughs> and we do a little bit yeah <laughs> they're, they're fantastic they make me laugh every week so good, good. it's that's it's kind of the highlight of my day when they come out <laughs> good good um so yeah you should check that out it might be the highlight of your day too which mm-hmm. would be wonderful i suppose good. um yeah so um i guess uh, before we get into the movie here for the day um scott what have you been up to recently
1: uh Kelly has never seen the movie Alien. And um, she saw the trailer for Prometheus and was like, that looks amazing.
0: Which it does, doesn't it? Yes, It does.
1: It looks really good. And so I was like, we need to go watch Alien because I think you need to see that anyway but especially if we're going to go see prometheus because kelly is a fan of science fiction which i'm very thankful for and um <laughs> it makes me feel less bad for dragging her into movies <laughs> um, because she'll get excited too and when she saw prometheus it has it has just like a little bit of everything that we the things that she loves about sci-fi like the technology the imagining of where where people could end up kind of a thing um so we watched alien uh this weekend and My goodness, that movie holds up well. It's a creepy, creepy movie that um, I I still really it's it's one of those things where it's it's hard to say I enjoy the movie, but I really like that movie. Yeah, yeah, And, and it's so interesting because it's like Ridley Scott takes the kind of that horror film genre and uses a lot of the tropes, but uses them in like these really interesting and new ways. Uh, and there's a couple things. Like if you've never seen the, like I'd seen the movie, so I knew basically everything that was going to happen. There's a scene, and it's not the chest burster scene, but there's another scene. If you've never seen it, that took Kelly completely by surprise. <laughs> we were watching. And she goes, "What the hell." <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who've seen it it's the ian holmes scene his reveal oh yeah <laughs> she was not expecting that at all and for those of you who haven't seen it you really should go check it out i mean it is a it's a horror film this is the this is the movie that launched this whole alien franchise and it's the most unique out of those movies it's the most you know different it it, it doesn't fall into a lot of the horror trappings that the later films do
0: yeah um, I, was, I was gonna say this it, it's a it's a movie that falls a little bit towards the opposite end of where the horror genre is today, yeah. at least in my mind. It's much more about um, the scare and about the—or uh, maybe even less the scare, but more the atmosphere and the, Absolutely. and just kind of this sense of of dread rather than— mm-hmm. Straight on, like, gore and nasty. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it, there's an the, element of that, but it's there, not... There's
1: definitely an element of that, but it is it is very... I feel like it was downplayed. Yeah. Because you go into it knowing it's a Reddit r kind of horror sci-fi film. And there's actually very little horror, as far as, like, the gore and, like, the you know the mm-hmm. stuff that you, you kind of get used to. There's very little of that. What it does have is a really disturbing... Um, sexual undercurrent it really does and i was like i didn't i kind of forgot about that there's a lot in it you just kind of go this is wow okay so we're kind of commenting on things i think here there's a lot going on there that just kind of it gets under your skin in a way a lot of movies don't um and i would recommend it and the whole alien franchise to me is kind of fascinating because it kind of launched so many different directors careers it's Mm -hmm. like it didn't launch Ridley Scott's career, but you have him starting it off. James, This was like James Cameron's first big film with the mm-hmm. second movie. It was David Fincher's first film with the third movie. And then the Amelie director directed the fourth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a, a weird, fascinating franchise that I would at least recommend the first two films. I own the first two. I don't need to own or re-watch the, the rest of them. But, mm-hmm. um,
0: and, and I would say, up through the fourth one, they are all pretty watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean they they definitely decline in quality as as it goes along but pretty much once you hit alien versus predator you might as well stop at that Yeah point. you
1: yeah you just stop before that point you really yeah. should um but it is interesting especially i think they they released the anthology which they used to call the quadrilogy mm-hmm. um and there's some really fascinating behind-the-scenes documentaries on each of the movies. And the third one is probably the most interesting, just because it was such a troublesome shoot. And mm-hmm. there were so many things that went wrong that it's almost more interesting than the movie that yeah. David Fincher made.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would say that the, the quadrilogy is just fascinating watching, um, mm-hmm. even even with the movies that don't stand up quite as well. Like, it's yeah. just all of the documentary stuff. and um, it, Yeah, it's yeah. very cool.
1: So, yeah, we, we watched that, and I'm not sure if she's going to be interested in seeing Aliens, but she's definitely down for uh, Prometheus still, so... Awesome. That was good times. Um, and then, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I realized I'd never seen a Bollywood musical. Kelly, and I, Shame
0: on you. Yeah,
1: kind of, I think, because, you know... Uh, if the reports are true they make more movies than Hollywood does in any given year and they make more money than Hollywood does in any given year which is just kind of fascinating unto itself Mm -hmm. but in the past couple of years Kelly and I have been really kind of getting more and more interested by uh, Indian culture whether it's through the dance that we're seeing um, in different places like we we love So You Think You Can Dance and the show Smash and in recent years the best parts of those shows have been the Bollywood inspired dance sequences Mm -hmm. yeah and so um i just didn't know where to start because it's not like it's not like a genre which even a genre could be intimidating going you know what? i've never seen a sci-fi film where should i begin mm-hmm. you know it's like so i kind of took it i put it the facebook and said hey guys I want to see a good Bollywood musical. I've never seen one. Where should I begin? I got a lot of great suggestions. And I think you were the one that actually recommended uh, this movie. I did, yeah. uh, Bride and Prejudice, which I'm really thankful you did, because it was a really good place to start. Uh, Bride and Prejudice, as you might guess, is kind of a Bollywood adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Um, It's directed by the guy who directed uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of it's more of a I think it's a British production more than a an
0: Indian production yeah so it bridges that gap is what I would say yeah and that's what I appreciated
1: about it and Kelly did too because it is a English speaking uh, movie um, and it's a familiar story so we were able to not have to worry or concentrate on the story so much and just kind of take in the visuals and just kind of get into the the different kind of style and feel of the movie and we really enjoyed it um After it was over, I kind of... It's not my favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation I've ever seen. That might still be Bridget Jones' Diary. (laughs) You know, it's not my favorite uh, Pride and Prejudice. And by the time this is over, I don't think this is going to be my favorite Bollywood musical.
0: I would agree with that, too.
1: But it was a great place to start. And if there's any Westerners out there who kind of are intrigued by this and go, I don't know where to begin either. This is a huge, huge... You know, this a huge place to Just to just jump in and just grab an Indian movie mm-hmm. um, no start here it's got some r- f- familiar faces Saeed from Lost is in it and Kelly squealed with delight when she saw that <laughs> <laughs> um, and also Indira Verma who played uh, Verenus's wife on Rome is in this and so there's a couple familiar faces like I said um, and so we really enjoyed it it was a fun funny musical that had a lot of unexpected comedy in it and I I guess I should have expected that, but I didn't. <laughs> there was some really funny wackiness in it. Um, last thing I want to touch on that I've been up to is uh, just finished uh, the season one of Green Lantern, the animated series, just wrapped up, and it was a whole heck of a lot of fun. If there's anybody out there who uh, likes like the Batman animated series from the 90s, this is made by the same people, so it has the same kind of quality, but it's completely computer animated. This is what the movie should have been. This is like its high sci-fi adventure and it's got a lot of great characters in it and it's a really interesting start to a show because they don't start in the place you expect them to they don't tell the origin story they just jump right into a whole new tale of the green lantern Corps, and they do it in a way that touches on jeff john's recent arcs if anybody out there knows what i'm talking about but it's really good i really really enjoyed it it's only 12 episodes it just wrapped so i'm assuming the dvds will be coming out this summer um but yeah i subscribed to it on itunes and loved every episode especially when saint walker came in he is my favorite but anyway (laughs) anyway that's me lord what have you been up to
0: oh let's see um well i know last time which you know was only a a few days ago uh, i was talking about filming uh on our documentary war in heaven, war on earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that has been continuing on, um, not so much filming, but starting to sort through footage. And then next week I'm actually headed out again on another, uh, this time, ta- another expedition, this time getting more interviews for it and stuff. So just keeping quite busy on that project. So, um, you anyway, know, if you want to keep up to date with that, you can always, uh, see more at our website war in heaven war on earth.com. and you know i'll probably post a few updates here on movies you should cool. as well but um yeah we'll keep you up to date because that's that is really what is taking up most of my time at this point um the uh squeezing in actually while we were doing some filming um i saw the um the Eddie Izzard Treasure Island that that has recently come out. It played on, I guess, the BBC or, or somewhere in Britain here, a little while ago, and it's just fit, wrapped up on Sci-Fi. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was pretty decent. It it has some major changes to the book. Um, specifically, they they take the um, the Squire character, mm-hmm. uh, Squire Squire Trelawney, mm-hmm. and turn him into kind of a bad guy as well, so there's kind of a kind of this dual layer, like the, uh, the upper class is also evil, while also the pirates are kind of bad, and, you know, right. Long John Silver is in there, and he's he's morally ambiguous, kind of, in this story, and then you have okay. Jim Hawkins, and and, and Dr. Livesey, and anyhow, very interesting, um, kind of a, a couple changes, they added some stuff with, like, um... um Jim Hawkins' mom back in England going on mm-hmm. while they're away on their trip. Um, you know, it's not it's not a one to one make of the book or anything like that, but it's it's definitely in the spirit of it, and it has had a lot of stuff I really liked. Um, uh, yeah, anyhow, it was it was pretty good. I, I'd say worth worth your watch. Cool. Um, it took me just a little bit to get into Eddie Azard being Long mm-hmm. John Silver. He just wasn't quite my Mental image of him, but he he pretty quickly won me over. Cool. I like him. Yeah, it just had that kind of that right level of um, the movie had kind of the right level of of creepiness at the beginning with some of the pirates showing up in the inn and stuff Mm -hmm. to kind of the high adventure to um, it it just it had a lot of really good elements. A a few misfires here and there, Mm -hmm. uh, but for a made for TV kind of mini series kind of thing, pretty pretty decent. Cool. So that's that's about the extent of what I have seen, uh, other than Forrest Gump. So, um, yeah, cool. That's about it. All um, right. Well, then let's
1: get into Forrest Gump.
0: All right. Well, yeah. Um, Forrest
1: Gump. It's released uh, in uh, nineteen ninety four. It's comedy drama, um, dramedy. Dramedy.
0: Yes. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> starring
1: a, starring Tom Hanks. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um I believe it was written by Eric Nor Eric Knopf? Roth Roth. Forget his name already. I apologize.
0: <laughs> He's that memorable apparently. <laughs> no. But adapted from the book by Winston
1: Groom, um, tells the story of kind of this uh, simple-minded uh, individual from uh, Alabama who kind of experiences American history from like the 60s through late 70s, maybe early 80s. Yeah, yeah early 80s. The like movie that. wraps up like in 1982 yeah um so yeah
0: yeah it's um you know we were talking just a little before we started recording here and and we were talking about the structure of this movie a little bit um and it's weird because you you know we were saying it's a comedy drama dramedy kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's also like a fictionalized biopic yeah is is almost the way to look at it i i think it's because it it follows this this character's life basically and it's it's um you just kind of telling his story
1: um yeah you know the way a, a lot of I sometimes fault a biopic that would have this structure for Forrest Gump I actually think it works but like a lot of times in a biopic they feel like they have to tell you every single little event that took place in this character's life and so that you hit all of these high notes along you know throughout the character's life and that's really what Forrest Gump does you see the very beginning where he gets his the braces for the first time you see where the bra- he gets out of the braces you see where he graduates school goes to the army you see every single moment in his life in this kind of punctuated episodic way mm-hmm. that again if this was abraham lincoln's life i might be a little frustrated Be like do we have to see this moment i would really have to focus on this moment um but since this is a kind of a fictional story It actually really kind of works.
0: Well, I I think part of it. I mean, going into it now, we know the story really well because you know most people, I would say, have seen this movie several, at least at least once, if not several times. Yeah. But like, especially if you haven't seen it for a while, like, or if it's not history per se like it's not no. history that we're taught in school because it's not history and so there is kind of a little element of surprise to it that really keeps you interested yeah. you know it's it's one thing in a biopic where you're like oh yeah this is the part where he went crazy you know <laughs> because because you know that he went crazy at that point yeah. but in this it's like oh well that's fascinating that's a funny way to get at this little thing because oh i see because yeah, it's fictional but it's put into kind of this, this level yeah. of history. No, you're
1: right. Because like in, in, in a real biopic, you might be like, I wonder who they're going to get to play, you know, that his best friend who shows up and who he does stuff with in this movie, he literally meets John F. Kennedy, you know, it's yeah. like, and it's John F. Kennedy playing John F. Kennedy, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and so you have those kind of same kind of reveals or those kind of moments, but they do it in this very sly, very, you know, <laughs> surprising way. Cause you don't expect that. Um, which kind of takes us into kind of the special effects of this movie, which really are, I think, what still continue to stand out about this movie, is how often they will put Forrest into a real situation, whether it's meeting a historical character, or honestly, the thing that surprises me the most, it's, I, it's one of those things where I've, I've watched the behind-the-scenes documentary, I know how they did it, but when I watch the movie, I have no idea how they did it, and that's <laughs> Lieutenant Dan's legs. It is like the best special effect in the history of special effects, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because Gary Sinise has both of his legs. He continues to he's acting today, um, and but in this movie, he, his character loses his legs in battle, and it is astonishing how well they are able to take his legs off. Like, there's never a moment that I see, even watching it now, where I go, ah, there it is. I saw the, I saw the the, the mat painting there, or mm-hmm. I saw whatever. It's just Wow. They yeah. really.
0: Yeah, that's something that's pretty interesting. Is this movie really does have visual effects that stand up quite well? Uh, there's, there's a few spots.
1: The, yeah, the only ones that, that I noticed today, you know, more than in the past, were when they would have someone like John Lennon or mm-hmm. L.B. Johnson on screen and they would give them new lines to say. Yeah. You could kind of see it with their mouth a little bit that it wasn't, it didn't quite look right. You could tell they'd kind of digitally altered it. Or that maybe put someone else's head on, you know, yeah, they put Johnson's head on someone else's body or something yeah, but, like that.
0: But when they weren't changing the lines, like, even those things where they p- were putting them in with the historical characters, oh, like, that yeah. worked really well.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, when Forrest is just kind of outside the school after it's been desegregated, mm-hmm. you would think he was there. I mean, it's like, it, He it is seamless. It's yeah. really astonishing.
0: So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, because with this being such a I don't know, in a lot of ways, a very simple drama kind of movie. It doesn't really feel like a Robert Zemeckis film, um, because yeah. Robert Zemeckis is kind of coming into this from, you know, I mean, this is the guy who who brought us back to the future, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, he's done some, you know, things like Polar Express and Christmas Carol and Beowulf.
1: Yeah, this and, is that bridge between his live action and his animated.
0: Yeah, and it's it's fascinating because it's a really... Solid storytelling vehicle, where you can tell he's having an incredible amount of fun playing with the visual effects with it. Yeah, but he uses them all to further the story he wants to tell, mm-hmm. and it's it's very interesting because this is kind of the last movie I really think of that he's done where that really is the case. Um, yeah. Kind of once he switched over to going with all digital characters, mm-hmm. um, we kind of lost that. So so in a in a way, this is kind of a I don't know, did, a milestone movie in his career for me.
1: I think after this, he did do that uh, What Lies Beneath movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which also used some interesting special effects, not mm-hmm. obviously to the degree that this does, um, but he does some really interesting camera work in that that's movie, right. if anybody wants to check that out. There's one scene specifically, again, I I know how he did it, I have no idea how he did it. There's a scene where someone walks into the bathroom, and like it kind of follows them, The camera, I think, follows them through the mirror, or you kind of see it from the mirror's perspective, but then the camera spins around, and it's not in the mirror. I don't don't know. It blows my mind. (laughs) and I watch it like two or three times, and it's (laughs) – Zemeckis is really good at what he does, and it's honestly not that surprising to me considering how solid the first Back to the Future script is. It's like it is the best script as far as a storytelling perspective that I've really kind of ever read because every single scene, even the jokes, further the story yeah super solid storytelling and then as those movies progress he clearly starts having more and more fun with special effects and you know split screens and you know all of that kind of stuff especially back to the future 2 where you have you know michael j fox playing at least three characters you know sometimes at the same time on yeah exactly screen so it, it's not super surprising though you know it is a little bit of a departure because it is mm-hmm. probably the most dramatic thing he had done up to this point um yeah, I don't know. It was almost a hard movie, not a hard movie to watch, but it's kind of a hard movie for me to really review. Kind of like when we watch Toy Story, because I've honestly seen this movie so many times. I was quoting it with you know, yeah. Ken and I were going back and forth, and we not only do we know the lines, we know the meter and rhythm at which people are going to say the lines.
0: Yeah, it's 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 like such a part of our culture today. Um, You know, much of the way uh, some older movies, I'm sure, were during during their heyday as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, this is it is because it's it's not just a it's not just a movie this, at this point, it's something that is in kind of the collective conscious of at least America. You know, I don't know the world, but definitely America. And, um, you know, I, I can't tell you how often I hear somebody say something about boxes of chocolates or Box of
1: chocolates. Stupid is a stupid. Does. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. It's like so many things just get referenced just offhandly at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting kind of going with that. Um, and talking about the storytelling in this, because it is so episodic in nature, I think, is, is kind of what we were saying. It's just very, you know, it goes from one scene to the next. Which yeah,
1: each could- scene is almost like its own self-contained moment, and those moments do add up to this greater story, but it is like each one can almost completely stand by itself without the need of anything else.
0: Yeah. Um, which is very just interesting. Um, but then it's it also has this really interesting thing where um, any other character who went through the series of events that occur in this movie mm-hmm. would be completely unbelievable. Yeah. You know, if, it, if it was just a normal guy who happened to do all of the amazing things that Forrest Gump does, mm-hmm. he'd be like, yeah, no way. And yeah. people would turn the movie off You know, yeah. ten minutes into it. Um, there's something really, really amazing about the way this movie took someone uh, you know we were debating kind of terms beforehand how to do it but but we decided like he really is just kind of a simple-minded person he's not you know there he's he's not brain damaged or anything he's just no. very simple-minded mm-hmm. and he and tom hanks brings something so beautiful to the character yeah i think well um, it,
1: it's it's a- it's really interesting because he. I think we kind of have lampooned and character uh, caricatured, yeah, Forrest to a certain extent. But watching Tom Hanks, there's a la- there, there are layers going on. He's not just a one dimensional character. You can really. Some of my favorite scenes is when you see Forrest get frustrated or angry yeah. or these moments where it's not just this really simple. You know. Um, um. It's not just this one note character. He he sees things and you can tell there are things constantly going on inside his head and it is a really riveting
0: performance. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful performance and and this character going through these experiences is so believable. Like he is someone who could stumble into all mm-hmm. of these things. It's incredibly mm-hmm. amazingly believable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a really Interesting and special achievement that this movie has done is mm-hmm. it took something that is so outlandish mm-hmm. and turned it into something that you, you can actually Yeah, you could actually see happening to someone.
1: Um I got a special kick out of having just watched All The President's Men, there's a scene where he's in the he's in the Watergate hotel. <laughs> that's right. And there's the extra neat little detail where he calls Frank Willis. Like he actually you can actually hear the guy on the phone go, uh, this is Willis. Because Willis is the security guard who discovered the, right. the Watergate break-in. I just love that ex- that detail that uh, Zemeckis or whoever kind of put into the film. Um, yeah, and the only thing that kind of, as, I, as we're watching it, there's a couple times in this movie that it does start to get a little silly. Um, and that's kind of near the end. Like, specifically when he accidentally creates the smiley face. <laughs> it borders on cartoon. You know, you kind of go really like I can under, like I almost, I, I can believe all of these things. And then you get to that moment. You're like, there's, there's, there's no way that, that, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, that's a really small moment. And they just, they kind of breeze past it. But it's like, there's a couple of times in this where something like that happens where he accidentally stumbles onto a real life world event. That's you I say. He did that too. Okay.
0: <laughs> Continue yeah. on. But, uh, you know, talking about Tom Hanks doing this, mm-hmm. um, there were several other people who were approached before Tom Hanks. Yeah, Imagine the movie that could have been. Yeah. Uh, you could have had Bill Murray mm-hmm. or John Travolta or Chevy chase. Yeah. They
1: were, they all were approached. They all turned it down. Um, Travolta has later, has since said that it was a big mistake that he shouldn't have, you know, and, and we are all
0: thankful. Yes. Kind of
1: glad he did. Um, Bill Murray is the one that's the most intriguing to me out of that list. I, cause especially considering his later work, you know, when you look at uh, the movies he, he's made with... Um,
0: Wes Anderson. Wes
1: Anderson. Yeah. Okay, here's somebody who's not, you know, he can act. Mm-hmm. He's so, you know, it would it'd be a very different film if you're looking in the, into the face of Bill Murray, mm-hmm. the entire thing. And then uh, David Allen Greer, Ice Cube, and Dave Chappelle... I'll turn down the
0: role of Bubba. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't imagine the Dave Chappelle Bubba.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like, we could have had a Dave Chappelle drawn Travolta movie. How <laughs> how great would that have been? <laughs> but that's the thing. But to me, that's the, the amazing thing. I mean, whether it was because of Zemeckis or because of these guys turning down the film, um, the movie that we have and the cast that we have really is what Really makes this work. There's really nobody that's a bad actor in this. You know, everybody sells those scenes so very well. I could I could watch an entire movie that's just Lieutenant Dan and Forrest. Mm-hmm. Um, I love their scenes, and you know the the conversations that happen with and around those characters. I just find fascinating, um, and they continue to stand as my favorite parts of the film. Um, they always kind of have, and I I still love them. Um, what was interesting to me and I'd be interested to hear your take on this, Lauren. This is something we didn't discuss before the podcast. Um, but, um,
0: I shall attempt to have a take. on it.
1: Up until this point, I've always kind of held the belief that the first half of this movie is great. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, I've always really liked the whole beginning up through Vietnam. Like after the Vietnam sequence, for me, a lot of times the movie kind of trudges along. It's just not quite as interesting. It, It loses a little bit of its energy this time around I actually found myself really enjoying the second half more than the first half and I and I don't know if it's because I'm in a new place in life but um, again uh, I find myself in a place where movies are making me cry because the scene where <laughs> uh, Forrest comes in and discovers he has a son um, it's a great scene and I got a little choked up that you know there's a when he realizes that he has a son and he goes is he is he smart or is he? is he you know he's kind of gesturing to himself you know and you know what he's trying to say it i felt it back in my throat it wasn't uh not my proudest moment but it's okay (laughs) you know and and again maybe it's because of the the place in life i am right now but i what do you think about that because i i still even though i really did enjoy some of the drama that's in the second half of Mm -hmm. this movie this time around and appreciate a lot of that more than the first half yeah, I, do you feel it's kind of a little bit of an uneven film? I well, do.
0: I, I think it has. I think it has some pacing not issues. I don't want to say it's issues. I think. I think it changes pace mm-hmm. as the film progresses. Um, and yeah, I'd say up through Vietnam, maybe even up through the part where um, through like the storm on the boat with with Lieutenant Dan and everything. Like maybe, maybe even up through there, some somewhere hmm. in that area though. Um,
1: when it kind of I, becomes about him and Jenny again.
0: Yeah, I think once Jenny comes back. It, it really changes the pacing of the film um, and and so I think a lot of the stuff before that was very quick firing very um, I don't know there was there was a lot more punch lines or more yeah. um, just really you know inside the little the little uh, episodes there were like little payoffs and stuff
1: here's bear Bryant here's Elvis Presley yeah. Here's,
0: this. Here's- <laughs> So it was, it was kind of like, well, just pull this trick out of our bag. Oh, you know, you've seen that one. Oh, how about this one? Whereas I think kind of kind of once they got that out of their system with it, and I'm not saying that was a bad thing to do. I think it's a very interesting thing. And, and probably why that first maybe half of the movie is really mm. intensely interesting is because there's so much interesting stuff happening. It really does switch tones into following more the drama and the life of Forrest, Yeah. Um, rather than being episodes of interest. Right. Um, I think that's a big shift in tone for the movie. Um, I don't know if it's less interesting or not, but it it definitely shifts where you are, where and how you're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I think just from a general watching standpoint, I've always enjoyed the first half of the movie better. Yeah. Um, but but you're definitely right. There's some really good stuff in the second half, and and some things that, in a lot of ways, are probably much more impactful mm-hmm. than what happens in the beginning of the film. Um, yeah, uh, that would be my <laughs> my take on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, I agree, and I think it's it's probably a kind of a smart thing they did, like you said putting a lot of the the -the over-the-top special effects in the first half of the film or so to really kind of draw you in into this magical world where anything's possible Mm -hmm. and once they kind of get there they kind of tell you the story that is forrest gump which is really kind of his life with jenny almost is almost the that that
0: is the story of it i mean it's it's it sets it up from the very beginning that jenny is kind of his his partner through life whether or not she's there you know it's it's his driving force that's true and uh you know it's kind of the the beauty and the sadness of this movie all together
1: um okay so what are your you have any final thoughts on it recommendation avoidance no i new approach to
0: it (laughs) new approach um uh, you know, I don't. I don't know that I have a new approach. I, I think it's the same movie. It's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's really easy for this movie to be something you can get kind of jaded about, and kind of um, mm-hmm. you know, we've all seen it. It plays all the time on TV. It's um, you know, it's so quoted and so. I think it suffers from a lot of the stuff that the sixth that uh, the sixth sense has, mm-hmm. kind of that whole. Kn- yeah, yeah, too much ha ali- no, no <laughs> <laughs> no it um you know, it's just that thing that everybody knows kind of the twist, if you will, not that this has the same they kind know, of twist they, they but it's, know, they get it they get it they they know you know, I see dead people, they know you know life is like a box of chocolates they they know all of this, and so mm-hmm. it's really easy to kind of dismiss this movie, mm-hmm. and I think if you can go into this with an open mind about it, you will have a similar experience to what we had with The Sixth Synths, which is a surprisingly good movie that, forget what you already know about it, go in and experience it again. And I think you may find that it's a lot better and a lot more touching than you remember it being
1: mm-hmm. yeah i i completely agree it's a it's a much more solid film that i've ever really kind of given it credit for um it still stands up you know 98 percent of the special effects are unnoticeable and it will or will still amaze you how Lucina mm-hmm. dan has metal legs i don't know <laughs> you know at the end of it it's like there's some really great work that goes on here um i agree and the other thing i think is interesting is that it 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 doesn't change for me a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I know I had a slightly different experience with it this time, but that's kind of why I would continue to recommend it to people. You might find yourself um, being touched or moved or enjoying a different aspect of this film than you previously did, which is what happened with me this time. That being said, there's not a whole lot I've ever, I've missed after watching it that first. And after you watch it two or three times, you know, the whole story, you know what everybody says, you know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like you can watch it. I'm not going to sit here and go watch it. You're going to be surprised. You probably might've missed these little details. No, you've probably seen it. It's all right there on the surface. It's all, you know, there's not a whole lot of, uh, digging you're going to have to do, but it is very solid. The actors are phenomenal. The direction is great. I love Alan Silvestri's score
0: for this. Mm, it is just yeah. It's just gorgeous. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you haven't, if it's been a while, um, check it out again if it you know if you've seen it recently uh lauren what should they do instead
0: oh well instead uh you know if if you enjoyed this or didn't enjoy this and and want to find something like it or whatever um uh a couple of things that you could you could definitely watch uh for me the movie that probably is closest to this movie while being nothing like it Mm -hmm. is big fish i agree um those movies to me uh have so much, they're both these, these kind of larger-than-life fables that um, both kind of have that dramedy kind of thing going on in them. And, uh, you know, Big Fish is, is a Tim Burton movie. It's probably one of his most approachable films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, man, I, I I actually quite love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just kind of a beautiful story, of a beautiful love story, um, you know, uh, father and son kind of coming to terms mm-hmm. with with life and stuff it's it's a pretty beautiful movie so um definitely big fish um catch me if you can i think has a lot of similar elements to this uh you know least of all tom hanks Mm -hmm. um but it i think it has a lot of kind of that element of recreating periods of time Mm -hmm. um kind of the uh the concept of of a character going through several of these uh major events it's not quite the same but it's i don't know it's still no, very it very also, similar feeling it also has
1: a very similar feeling in that it has kind of i think a uh a switch in tone you yeah. know kind of halfway through it kind of starts off as like this kind of fun uh crime romp mm-hmm. and then it kind of ends up being much more of a drama by the end of it
0: yeah yeah exactly um, and then uh, another one that's maybe a little further out there is Oh Brother Where Art Thou it's a great um, it's, it's a great movie I mean it's it's pure fable it's you know a, a retelling of the Odyssey in the South you know the American South during the Dust Bowl basically yeah, yeah. and uh, um, you know just it to me it has a lot of the same elements again though it's just kind of this tall tale lots of um, interesting characters interesting situations um and a great score so i don't know kind of kind of cool visual effects in some places and i don't know it's it's pretty cool yeah um and then the last thing i would say i haven't actually seen this last one because i i don't actually know that it's come out yet, um, and I haven't been keeping up with it, but I just was seeing some of the, uh, the stuff about how they're making this, um, there's a movie coming onto HBO called Hemingway and Gelhorn, um, and it is, um, basically what they're doing, it has Clive Owen in it, and um, oh. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, thank you, Scott. My mind <laughs> went completely blank there for a second. Um. Oh no! <laughs> and, uh, well basically what they are doing with this movie is is they are sending the characters into through the script and every scene in it is shot on green screen and they're putting the characters into archival documentary footage basically. Um so it is kind of the the feature film embodiment of some of the, the small pieces of what happens in Forrest Gump. Yeah. And it looks incredible. I, the, the technology behind it looks incredible. I don't actually, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't comment on the movie itself, right. but we're going to make sure that we post on the website, mm-hmm. um, kind of a behind the scenes, little featurette thing that shows what they're doing and maybe the trailer for the movie as well. So you can see, um, so I, as of right now, I would, I would at least recommend watching the behind the scenes featurette. Yeah, <laughs> and probably I, I, w- yeah. I
1: would definitely say it's also a movie that I think appeals to both of us and one we will both end up seeing, Yeah, and we'll probably come back to the podcast with a review once we do see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I would agree with all of those, actually. Um, and also, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I would also recommend um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Oh, yeah. A movie that came out in the 90s, I believe, with Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> um, Leonardo DiCaprio kind of plays a, I believe... A mentally challenged uh boy Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a similar concept or idea of kind of seeing the world through this character's eyes and how this character kind of challenges everybody around them and changes everybody around him and it's really a really kind of touching simple uh very small movie Mm -hmm. that i would uh highly recommend um the curious case of benjamin button um, was written by Eric Roth. That was the name I was looking for earlier. Same guy who wrote Forrest Gump. And when you realize that, you'll see how startlingly similar the structure and feel of these two movies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different, but they both kind of have this fantasy within real, real life kind of approach to storytelling. Um, and I really liked it. Some people really don't like this movie. Like for some people, this movie just didn't work at all. I don't know why it works so well for me. I need to watch it again, but this was a movie. Kelly and I went and saw in the theater, and we both got choked up watching this movie. This it's just for us. It really works. It's a beautiful movie. Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett in this kind of fairy tale story that um, takes place in New Orleans. It looks beautiful. Some really impressive special effects go into this as well. Um, I would highly recommend it. Um, On the other end of that spectrum is Of Mice and Men, which I believe was directed by Gary Sinise. It does star Gary Sinise, who played Lieutenant Dan, and it's just an adaptation, a very straight, you know, you you can take Steinbeck's book and read it along with the movie. Every line of dialogue comes directly out of the book, and it's pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, it's, it, it's once again, Gary Sinise kind of teaming up with a simple-minded uh, character, played by John Malkovich in this, and it's about these two men who are trying to find their way in the world, find their place in, you know, Depression-era America. They're kind of making their way west, and they hope to make enough money that they can have a farm at some point. Um, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies, it's Of Mice and Men. I would highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um... All right, well, that about wraps us up here on this. Um, join us next time. We will be talking about number 75 on AFI's Top 100 Films. Scott is changing things. I just realized
1: I misspelled it. I apologize.
0: <laughs> in the heat of the night. Not previously, in, in, in the, the heart, heart of the, of the night. night. In the heat of the night. Um, so, yeah, that is number 75 on AFI's Top 100 list. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. uh, otherwise you can always follow us on twitter at movies you should uh you can catch us on facebook facebook.com slash movies you should where you can see uh scott's hilarious uh it's depictions hilarious. of us listening to movies or watching movies <laughs> and uh movies you
1: should love.com find us on itunes subscribe to us um Oh, and rate has, us! I oh, would rate, rate, rate
0: us on iTunes. Please rate us on iTunes. That'd be, that be, be super fun. fantastic. And Lauren
1: has done a really cool thing on the website where even if you don't have an iPod, where you can subscribe through iTunes, there's always a the, a very direct link to the MP3 file, so you can put it onto whatever uh, system you want. And, or if you just you know you just want to listen to it on your computer, but you don't want to deal with it in iTunes, go to moviesyoushouldlove.com.
0: Yeah, and yep. come back next week. Yeah, sounds good. We'll talk to you then. Last word, last word. I got the last word in. (laughs) You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com.